Thank you all for tuning in to a special bonus episode of Kicking Out at Two. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and you're probably curious as to why we have dropped a bonus episode here on Sunday, July the 29th of 2018. Unfortunately, uh, this morning, today, July 29th, 2018, tragedy has struck the professional wrestling world on a number of levels, and I would be remiss if I didn't uh, address some of these uh, tragic events that have occurred. First and foremost, WWE Hall of Famer Nikolai Volkov has passed away at the age of 70. Nikolai Volkov, a staple of my childhood at one point as he uh, he played the foreign bad guy really well, uh, singing the Russian national anthem. I didn't even know Russia existed or was a thing or a country at a very young age until Volkov would sing the national anthem on a weekly basis definitely one of the best foreign bad guys of his time and someone that will be sorely missed as of this recording it's not known as to how he had passed away at the age of 70 hopefully we'll have more details on that in the coming days and weeks here and kicking out at two uh, so with that being said in regards to Nikolai Volkov uh, may he rest in peace. Our condolences here at Kicking Out at Two to the friends and family and loved ones of one Nikolai Volkov. And unfortunately, the tragedy continued today as uh, the son of WWE Hall of Famer Jerry the King Lawler, Brian Christopher Lawler, uh, attempted to commit suicide by hanging himself inside a, a Memphis jail cell. Unfortunately, he was incarcerated uh, as of last week on charges of DUI and evading police. Uh, from what I gather with some information I've done before this recording, he had had some personal issues, personal demons as they like to refer to him as, uh, some run-ins with the law. Things weren't really on the up and up for him uh, in, in recent memory from what I've read and what I can tell. And uh, right now, as of this recording, he's on life support, a local Memphis uh, television station is reporting that uh, he's fighting for his life right now loved ones family members are at his bedside i've seen some conflicting reports that he's passed away but uh local memphis uh, television station has confirmed he is still fighting for his life so our thoughts and prayers to the lawler family and to brian christopher lawler we hope you pull through and uh, things can turn around for you and unfortunately the tragedy you know continued this morning it's they say it comes in threes and uh the legendary southern wrestler brickhouse brown lost his battle to cancer this morning it was reported over a week ago that brickhouse brown had passed away from cancer but uh former wwe tag team star brian blair of the killer bees reported on facebook that Brickhouse had come out of a coma and he was alive still not out of the woods but alert and uh somewhat of a miracle as i guess doctors had said that you know he was not responsive and not breathing still had some you know to still had a little bit more of a battle to go from what i understand from what i read but uh he unfortunately uh that that, that battle only lasted a week longer as uh it's been reported that he has passed away wasn't familiar with his work and i wasn't uh didn't really know who he was i heard the name before but uh, i guess he wrestled down south had some had a little bit of a run in the awa before my time from what i understand he definitely was a talented performer and athlete uh, fun character and you know brought something to his time and his era in wrestling for sure that you know captivated an audience so with that being said here at Kicking Out at Two, we'd like to offer our thoughts and prayers and our condolences to the family of Brickhouse Brown. And uh, the point of this bonus episode is not to harp on the negative and the tragedy, but when it, when it comes to tragedy striking in any facet of life, a lot of people look for escapes. And, you know, being a wrestling fan, I know that sometimes I'll watch wrestling as a way to escape from things that are taking place in my real life. So as a way to get my mind off things. So uh, this bonus episode here is something that uh, I've been toying around dropping even before this, you know, th these tragic events had taken place. As I was in the process of forming Kicking Out of Two and really getting the ball rolling on this i was messing around with some of my podcast equipment the software and uh, my wife and i 
recorded a pilot episode for a new concept that hopefully will debut soon on Kicking Out of Two. It's called the No Filter Theater, where we... Uh, we, we, we watch a random event or show on the WWE Network and we sit and, and, and dissect and discuss and, and marvel and laugh and cry at whatever's watching, you know, whoever we're watching in front of us. It's, uh, it will be something random that the, that the guest co-host will not know about. Uh, originally, this concept was discussed for non-wrestling fans, but I felt that adding some casual wrestling fans and even some diehard wrestling fans to the mix, why leave, why leave them out? Why just make it fun for everyone? So... The whole point of this is so that you can sit back, relax, have some fun, take your mind off some of the tragic events that have taken place this morning here on July the 29th, 2018. This particular episode of Monday Night Raw that we're going to watch on the No Filter Theater is of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin breaking into Brian Pillman's home and Brian Pillman defending his home in the most controversial fashion. This episode is from November of 1996. So with that being said, let's have some fun here. Let's also remember the memory of Nikolai Volkov, Brickhouse Brown. Let's pray and keep praying for Brian Christopher Lawler that he pulls through this and just have some fun as we watch the debut of the No Filter Theater. Monday Night Raw, November of 1996, Stone Cold Steve Austin breaking into Brian Pillman's home. I am Dave Rosenbluth, and I hope you all enjoy. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another pilot episode of Kicking Out at Two. This episode is going to be a special preview of what you're going to get to witness as I do another watch along, but this time in a no filter form with my beautiful wife, Nicole, who I'd like to call no filter Nikki, where we're going to pick something random from the WWE network and we're just going to get her genuine, honest reactions of what she's watching in front of her. She's never seen what I'm going to put out there before and to give you guys a little preview there listening that want to watch along with us, we're going to watch an episode of Monday Night Raw from 1996. It is episode number 183. It's uh, 48 minutes long, and it is of the time that Stone Cold Steve Austin invaded Brian Pillman's home. And uh, for those of you that remember that time in history, you'll know it was one of the most controversial moments in Monday Night Raw history. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce my beautiful wife, No Filter Nikki. How are you this evening? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. This is something that uh, you requested that you'd like to be a part of, and I thought it was a great idea. So uh, what do you think about doing this with me, your husband, here on uh, Kicking Out of Two? I'm very excited about it. Um... I did uh, listen into part of your pilot, uh, your original pilot, yep. and I had lots to say myself, <laughs> so I'm very excited to do this with you. I, had, I don't remember this episode at all, so it's going to be exciting. By the way, for those of you that are listening, Nikki at, at one time, and still to this day is a wrestling fan, she's watched a lot of the older stuff like I have, uh, kind of a... Uh, put off by the current product these days but a lot of people are so that's nothing new um just to give you a quick brief rundown for our listeners uh who were some of your favorites growing up watching and any memorable moments that you could think of that come to mind in your wrestling fandom well um i watched it believe it or not by myself when i was younger um i had a younger brother so um he would watch it here and there with me and then I had my son who got into it early on, um, so I took him to a couple shows when he was younger. Um, we obviously, me, I loved uh, Macho Man and, and Hulk Hogan, of course, but you know nowadays still Randy Orton is uh, still one of my favorites. Um, and then you know with the new, how do you call it, the new. The new, new, the new era, the era. new, yeah, the new crop of talent, I guess you could say, the, um, the I, fresh blood, new blood, so to speak. I love Finn Balor. Yeah, I think he's amazing. I am, I am a huge fan of like the high flyers, the the little guys that mm -hmm. can fly around the ring that keep my interest. Yeah, I do not. I am not a huge fan of the big guys that okay. just, in my opinion, do the same moves over and over yep. again. Yep. To okay. me, that's boring. Okay, so I love the little guys, the high flyers. Okay. Personally. 
All right, cool, cool, very cool. All right, so are you ready to uh, watch an episode of Monday Night Raw? This is from November of 1996. For those of you on there listening right now, WWE Network, load it up. You'll go to the uh, in-ring section of the shows, and you will search for 1996 under Monday Night Raw, episode number 183. How old were you in 1996, Dave? I was, I think I was 12 years old, 11. No, I'm sorry. I was... I was 17. I was 13. Okay. Oh, okay. Look at that. <laughs> For those of you that are listening, my wife's a cougar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I married her for her age. Yeah, um, yeah. No, in all seriousness. Okay, yeah. So I was like 13 years old when this came out. Okay. All right. Um, so click. Sometimes there's a commercial that runs through for like Nestle Pure Life bottled water. Um so we'll uh, wait just a moment as you guys get set up listening to this here. Uh, hopefully we're entertaining you and not boring you. And we're going to have a countdown of five, four, three, two, one. Hit play. We have the opening, with the World Wrestling Federation logo, the thunder and lightning, the big, uh, the big fat WWF logo at the time. We're opening up here with... Uh, face-to-face of uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart. I believe at the time this was heading into the 1996 Survivor Series and Steve Austin was tearing up the uh, WWF studios as he was heading into his match with uh, Bret the Hitman Hart. And we have a live shot of Brian Pillman's home in Walton, Kentucky. Brian Pillman, uh, former tag team partner of Steve Austin when they were in WCW as the Hollywood Blondes. And here we see Shawn Michaels and Sid. Some more buildup from the 1996 Survivor Series heading into their match at that show. I did love Shawn Michaels myself, so. But I have no idea who um, Pillman is. Brian Pillman? No. Nope. Okay. I don't remember him at all, but. Brian Pillman was a, a high flyer. He used to call him Flying Brian Pillman in WCW. Uh, he was actually a former uh, nose tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals, the NFL, and he ended up getting into pro wrestling and doing very well for himself at this time going into 1996 he had had some serious issues he had a car accident and flipped his jeep over and broke his ankle like in seven places and that was the beginning of the end of his career unfortunately here you see kevin kelly in front of brian pillman's home waiting on the arrival of steve austin just to give you a little brief rundown of what took place uh pillman was kind of a protege of Steve Austin, but he also had a, a, a friendship with Bret Hart, and Bret Hart was returning, and he was going to face Stone Cold at the Survivor Series, and Pillman had kind of uh, shown more affection towards Bret Hart than he did Steve Austin, and Stone Cold ended beating him up and uh, broke his ankle yet again. So that's why they're doing a live simulcast from Pillman's home, and the week prior, Steve Austin threatened to appear at Brian Pillman's house. Now, can I ask you a dumb question? No. <laughs> no, I can't? No, you can. Of course you can. I'm just <laughs> Is kidding. this really Brian Pillman's real home? Uh, from what I've heard on the Bruce Pritchard podcast, yep. yes, this was Brian Pillman's real house. Okay. They had to, uh, they, they had to call the local police in Walton, Kentucky to get permits to film and, okay. and, and, and let the local authorities know as to what they were filming. Um, and here comes Gold Dust with Marlena. Give me some of your thoughts on Gold Dust. I I think that he's great. I, I love his character. It's odd and um, interesting. And I, we've met him in person. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very nice. Bad breath, but very nice. <laughs> well, yes, but very nice. Yeah. Come on, you're supposed to be no filter Nikki. You gotta, I am. you got to tell the truth. Come on. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's the... That's what people liked about him is because he was so different and odd and, um, Mr. Perfect. Yep. And who was that? I don't. That's Crush. Okay. Crush used to be a member of Demolition and then he ended up, uh, going on his own in singles. And I believe this was at the time when Crush legitimately got out of jail for, uh, for drug charges. And so they used the, they used his jail sentence as a storyline. What I miss um, nowadays is uh, the managers. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the ladies that walk them out, mm-hmm. you know. 
I know it was for show and for looks mostly, yep. right? But there was just something about that. I just think it added a little bit of uh, extra drama. Yep. And I know a lot of people don't do that now. The last one I know of was Lana when she... Paul Heyman. Yeah, Paul Heyman's definitely not an arm piece, but... No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not. No. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of managers, the male managers, and some of the females, too, if they, if they, depending on the role that they kind of play. Mm -hmm. uh, you brought up a good point with Lana, not the greatest wrestler, but definitely added to Rusev's yes. presentation. Yes. Um, I thought that they should have kept them together. And they're, they they're, they're kind of back together now. If you currently watch, I know you don't watch as much anymore, mm -hmm. but uh, they're currently kind of back together now. But doesn't she still wrestle? Every now and then, yeah. She was a part of the, the ladder match at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view recently. But mm -hmm. this is... Um, so these eight men, they're, it looks like they're part of um, the respective Survivor Series teams. Uh, you saw Goldust, Triple H as Hunter Hearst Helmsley, uh, Crush, and uh, Mr. Perfect on one side. And that's, that's Barry Windham. Uh, he is actually the uncle of Bray Wyatt. Oh. Yes. And there's uh, Doc Hendricks, otherwise known as Michael PSAs. And if you look on the bottom left in that split screen... You will see a young Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hopefully, we'll get a better shot of him there. Yeah. And I know everybody says just Bray Wyatt, but um, you can't forget about his brother, too. Bo. Bo. Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas. He's like the forgotten son, the forgotten child. Who's actually kind of come into his own lately yeah, with this he's whole. He's got that whole comedy thing going on. With the B I think team. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. You see Mark Merrill. Marvelous Mark Marrow at one point. Yeah. He's, uh, Goldust is so different. His body is so different here. Yep. Than he is now. He's a lot more leaner now. Yeah, obviously. In the better shape. DP yoga maybe helped him, but. Yeah, um, for sure. It's look, like looking at his dad, though. For sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it looks like at the bottom of our screen, it looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin's on the phone. He's probably, uh, Raising hell and letting everyone know he's on the way. Is that Brian... the rock right there? Yep, right there with the blue elbow pads and the, the Chia Pet haircut. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, the the beginning stages of... Uh... I feel like this guy is a wannabe Hulk Hogan. Barry Windham? Yeah. No. no? he's No, they, they they gave him some some terrible gimmick. They called him the stalker. Um, Barry Windham actually was probably one of the, in my opinion, one of the best underrated big men in wrestling he was a member of the four horsemen in, okay. in uh, the nwa for many many years and he was never really used properly in my opinion when during his brief runs in the wwf and there you see a young triple h like most men now like a lot of guys now yeah, yeah i would actually ha happen to agree with you but uh gold dust and uh and Barry Windham here, a little mm -hmm. fun fact, were once world tag team champions together in WCW when they let Barry Windham just be Barry Windham and Goldust was Dustin Runnels. Okay. So, or Dustin Rhodes, excuse me. Runnels is his real last real name. name yeah. Yep. Cross body rolled out to the floor. And there is Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. The rock. You'll see some faces here. You'll be like, oh, my God, who's that? But that was Mark Henry when he first started out. Gotta love the outfit there. Yes. <laughs> Tried and true, red, white, and yep. blue. Yep. Back body drop by the stalker, Barry Windham, to gold dust. And this was obviously a building up in anticipation for the upcoming Survivor Series event with the four-on-four four between... Uh, Is that Guerrero in the back in the blue? Or? No, that's uh, Mark Marrow. Oh, he looked... He looks the like wild man, Mark Marrow. And there's Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Jerry the King. Yeah, Mark Marrow... Uh, who currently nowadays does motivational speaking at uh, schools all across the country. Oh, is he the one that we... Um, I showed you the video yes. of? The one who told the story yes. about how he found that his mother died? Yeah, in Japan. Yes. Very sad. Yeah. Mero, uh, he, he, he had a decent little run in the business. He did, like, in WCW, he did, like, a little Richard kind of character. He mm -hmm. was known as Johnny B. Bad. And then, oh, oh. There you go. Gold dust. Vintage gold dust right there with the... Sealing the deal with the kiss on the lips. And I think that's probably people either they liked him or they didn't. And they just thought he was weird. Well, yeah, eccentric. he no. <laughs> he was all that. He rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. That's right. for sure. With the, And that was at a time in society when um, being 
a homosexual male was not very was not a very popular choice unfortunately we live in a different time now in 2018 where it's 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 commonplace but back in 1996 especially on you know kids programming like pro wrestling it was it was definitely something that was uh very controversial and here you see steve austin cutting a promo cutting a promo that's right look at you with the lingo cutting a promo in some probably some shithole warehouse in stamford connecticut (laughs) That's where they do a lot of their filming. Now, what did you think about him as a wrestler, Stone Cold? I liked him when he was stunning Steve Austin in WCW. I, uh, I kind of dug him when he was a part of the Dangerous Alliance, once managed by Paul Heyman. Um, I, I enjoyed Stone Cold, the Stone Cold character. He was a lot of fun. So you enjoyed the character more than him as a wrestler? No, um... As time went on, like injuries kind of built up. So where he was very, I wouldn't say he was very limited in the ring, but he didn't do a whole lot of stuff that he did prior uh, during his time as stunning Steve Austin. But um, I liked his run when he was a, a really solid technical performer, but I also liked the character of Stone Cold. And it made sense as Stone Cold was just a brawler. He'd kick, he'd punch, he'd give you the stunner and he'd, he'd beat the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Whereas as stunning Steve, he was a lot different. Um, he was very polished and crafty in the ring, and he his 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 technical wrestling was a big part of his character, despite the fact that stunning Steve Austin really it wasn't so much of a character. But here we see things are looks like they're imploding with these two Survivor Series teams, as uh, Goldust and Crush working on the Wild Man Mark Marrow, Mister Perfect and Triple H double teaming Barry Windham. And there you see the rock cross body to both Goldust and Crush as things have really gotten out of hand. Now we got Mark Henry. Everyone's getting involved now. Mark Henry looks the same as he did back then. I just saw a picture of him recently. He went to Seattle for the Special Olympics and representing the uh, the Special Olympics Connecticut team, as a Excellent. matter of fact. Yeah. And... Uh, He's letting the grays grow in in his beard. It oh, looked, it looked uh, distinguished. Yeah, it, it looked good on him. He it fit well. I'll say that. And this was um, Goldust's real life wife? at the time. Yeah, at the time, Terry Runnels. They met actually in WCW, and there you see right there, Brian Pillman. This is his home. That's his home <laughs> with his wife Melanie and uh, Kevin Kelly, as they're getting ready to. Uh, to uh, share their feelings with the world but regarding the, the beatdown that Steve Austin had given them a week or two prior on WWF Superstars. But Pillman was, like I said, he was a flyer. He was really good. If you watch a lot of his old WCW stuff, you dig him. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, you like the flyers. But um, unfortunately, the uh, his injury with that, that car accident, almost dying, and shattering his ankle really slowed down his career. He was going to be, if he didn't get hurt and unfortunately untimely pass a year later, he'd have been, he'd have been a huge star. I think he would have been right up there as like, like with Stone Cold mm-hmm. because he was that, you know, that good. Doc yeah, Hendricks. Is a, it's a sad thing is a TJ. Tyson Kidd? Yeah. Yeah. That he... The neck injury. Get to, because he was just coming back, right? And then the neck injury happened, and now he was he back for a while. He was tagging with Cesaro, and right? And went, that's, that's what I'm saying. He just had come back, and he was just starting to get back into. Yep, they were starting to really use him well too. Exactly. I love that team with him and Cesaro. I thought it was really good, and uh, unfortunately, he. Uh, they said it was very similar to the Christopher Reeve accident, like the nerve damage in his neck that, like, centimeters away from being dead that's yeah, how that's, that's very scary yeah so i don't blame wwe for not clearing him to return but i guess he's doing very well helping produce matches and segments and mm-hmm. here we see paul bearer mankind and the executioner awaiting the rival the arrival of the undertaker is what it seems like with the lights flickering here now didn't paul bearer at one point, wasn't he the manager of yep. Undertaker? So this was after, before? This was, yeah, this was after. Okay. 
This looks like more mind games from The Undertaker here. This is another part of the build-up for the Undertaker-Mankind match at the Survivor Series. It's coming up at that time in November of 96. It was a few months before that when Paul Bear turned on The Undertaker and aligned with Mankind. Okay. At a SummerSlam in August of that year. They had a boiler room brawl, and the object of the match was to leave the boiler room and get the urn, and Paul Bear gave the urn to Mankind. And here we see Brian Pillman... Live from his home in Walton, Kentucky, with a really messed up ankle. And the ankle was legitimately, he like broke it again. And they did the storyline with Steve Austin. So he legitimately had a broken ankle here. Yes, he did. Okay. That was, it was legitimate. He was planning to return and, and wrestle. And uh, I don't know if it was during training or what happened, but I'd heard a story that like he broke his ankle severely again so they did the storyline where steve austin broke the ankle yeah it looks pretty bad yeah when it's an air cast like that you see all those tubes coming out of it you yeah. know it's pretty serious so at this point this is where something very controversial begins in this episode of what raw that i want you to to give me your honest genuine reaction of okay um something that was never done in wrestling at the time Something that, as a kid, I remember watching, and I was like, holy cow, like, it just really, it really changed the way, it started to change the way that people viewed wrestling, and it was in this segment here, I don't want to spoil it for you, but, um... It's something I'm obviously going to visually see. You're going to visually okay. see this, yes, you are, um... Because I'm not hearing anything he's saying right now. So. No, 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 <laughs> we're watching this, you know, with on mute... So our listeners are currently, uh, they get to hear, yeah, they get to hear what we have to say. If, if they're watching this on, on mute as well. Yep. Here we go. Right here. Oh, oh, you see that? Yeah. Yeah. A gun. All right. (laughs) And we go to commercial. (laughs) Yeah, I would not say that this is uh, for children anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember at the time in the 90s, that w- that's, it was pretty, pretty gory still, though. Like, they could show blood and stuff back then. Is that correct? This, when did they stop showing the blood? They kind of stopped showing it in, like, the mid-90s. Like, I'd say, like, 90, like 94 to... Probably even around this time period, they tried to avoid blood as much as possible. To um, get it to be more, more PG. Kid-friendly, exactly. yeah. Exactly. That's not kid-friendly. As you see here with a commercial with, with toys and stuff like these right. karate fighter toys that you see here. Um, I think that, that's, that that could have been definitely overboard. Um, I mean, it gets, it, it gets better or worse to some people, <laughs> I guess you could say. Uh, in this uh, in this episode of Monday Night Raw, but even like look at the way you know Marlena Terry Runnels is dressed. Mm-hmm. This is a kids show, and she's got she's got titties popping out. Yeah, you know. Well, good for her. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of titties, there's Sable with another first round matchup against Handsome Doc Hendricks who is known as Michael P.S. Hayes. And here we see Steve Austin finally made his way to Brian Pillman's house in Walton, Kentucky. And are these the bodyguards or? I guess these are friends of Pillman that they were described as. Uh, I I don't know who exactly they are in in real life. Uh, If they were local independent wrestlers in Kentucky that got the film. Oh, there's just a little little kitty pool. pool. Pillman had a few kids. Okay. In fact, his uh, son, Brian Pillman Jr., has just gotten into the wrestling business. I follow him on Instagram. Is he a high flyer? Yep, he is. Interesting. Yes, he is. Here we see Steve Austin putting a beating on that. Oh, look at that guy. All soaking wet. Mind you, this is November in Kentucky, so I don't know what kind of weather they have out in Kentucky to have a kiddie pool. <laughs> I, I think but, it's... Oh. That's pretty rough there. Yeah, this is definitely uh, not a children's show. No, Stone Cold's not holding back here. No. Usually you can tell when people are, you know, holding back a little when they're throwing punches and... 
a little radio flyer to the yeah. head. <laughs> His acting definitely here is A1. Yeah, he didn't he he didn't hold back. He laid it in, you know, and I've watched interviews with him where he said, you know, give me everything you got cuz I'm going to give you everything I got to make it it look And I think that that's really important because a lot of times when you see it half-assed, you're like, um, that looks so stupid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, this was something in wrestling that, like, you didn't see at the time. Like I said, the gun, obviously. You never saw guns and knives in wrestling. I was always, well, you know. that's not what it's about at all. Yeah. You, you know, you saw steel chairs and, and, and maybe baseball bats, but, like, chairs were, like, always the weapon of choice until, like, you know. Home Depot came in business, and then everything became a weapon. But um, even this kind of stuff, the you know, sticks too, the, the kendo sticks, kendo sticks and, and yeah, those look like they hurt. Here we see who's this? Uh, Alex the Pug Porto. That's a sad name. This poor kid, the Pug. Yeah. Well, this was back then in, in the time frame in, in the World Wrestling Federation excuse me, just in business and in the business in general, where everyone that had a character had an occupation. There was a clown, there was a plumber, there was a garbage man, there was a cop. So this guy's a dog. No, this is the, well, I, I, the pug, pug. the pug, excuse me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, this is the Sultan who, uh, little known fact, if you're not aware, dear, dear darling, that, uh, there's Bob Backham. The Sultan is the father of Riki, of uh, the Usos. He's Rikishi. Oh. Yeah. He played a lot of characters over the years in uh, in wrestling, and the Sultan was one of them. And they were trying to, at the time, I guess, rechristen um, the the great legacy of the Iron Sheik. So Bob Backlund and the Iron Sheik were kind of uh, the Sultan's uh, uh, managers, representatives, so to speak. It looked rather stupid. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, look at that. It looks like a big Hershey kiss on his head. You see that? Absolutely. I was going to say that. <laughs> you and I think alike. Yes, we do. That's why we're married. Uh, there you see the Iron Sheik right there with him at the time. Like Sheiky? Sheiky, baby. Oh, Baba. Oh, oh fuck you. Make you humble. <laughs> you want to watch some funny stuff? You listen to the Iron Sheik talk. He's hilarious. The stories about Iron Sheik I've uh, I've heard are like legendary. Um, yeah, they were there. I guess where they're trying to capitalize on the, uh, the 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 popularity, so to speak, of the Iron Sheik here by, you know, naming this Sultan. But like I said, this was a time when characters in wrestling, like I said, they had occupations. Okay. So. Uh, but we but in this time frame, especially with Steve Austin is where you saw things kind of turn around a little bit. You still had some characters, but you had more reality-based characters. Guys were being more of themselves. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of seeing the tail end of this. But in early 1996, if you watched Money Night Raw in early 1996, you'd have been... You think it's bad now watching this? You'd have been disgusted. It, it was a lot worse. It's just... um you think about it, all these guys obviously don't start off in the WWF. Yep. Um, so they come up with their own names and their own um, personas. And mm-hmm. It's It's got to be hard to come into this business and then someone's like, nope, you're not going to do that. And that name is dumb and you're now going to be this. Yep. And they have to go along with it. And even if they're not passionate about whatever their name is or their character, it, that's just got to be tough. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. I mean, in some ways, it's it's a lot different now than it was back then. But at the same time, it's also very the same. You know, guys mm-hmm. that built their names, you know, on the independent scene from wherever they came from, they get an opportunity in the WWF, and uh, because the you know the WWF and Vince McMahon at that time wanted to own and copyright names, that was probably the main reason why they changed a lot of guys' characters and names so that they could own it so mm-hmm. that they didn't take their name and leave and go make money somewhere else. Well, nowadays, when I know we, I, I've watched NXT, and uh-huh. um, I think it, it's not, it was the show where you could see them go through the school. I forget the name of that show. But tough anyhow, Enough? It was kind of like Tough Enough. 
that... you see that they physically can make their own character and they can choose around you know how their entrance is going to be they make up their own name in NXT so they learn how to build their own character they get a lot they, they, they get a lot I think more that that's cool they... i think that they should be allowed to um they get a lot of more freedom that's for sure yeah um, five six seven years ago if aj styles were to a quick match by the way yeah so <laughs> if, if five or six seven years ago if aj styles were to have ever come to wwe they probably would have changed his name but because he was so popular and everyone say, knew him as aj styles they let him keep the name you're, you're seeing that a lot he more would and not more be AJ, yeah he would he would always be aj styles yeah so that would be oh yeah here's the gun again Yeah, and then you see his, his 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 wife Melanie. She looks frightened as he's waiting. Yep, yeah. there. All right, now this is where it's stupid. Okay, if he's got that gun, mm-hmm. and he's claiming he's gonna blow Austin away. Dude just took a baseball bat and busted in your door, and now you. Why aren't you shooting? Well. And that was the illusion that they created okay. when watching it at home. That wasn't the network. That's the illusion that they created when I was watching it at home mm-hmm. was that. So everybody was like, oh, what oh, happened? Yeah. What's going on? The power went out or yep. something like that. You know what I mean? That was the, the, what they tried to make you believe. I think um, watching it now and with everything that's happened in the past 20 something years with guns and, and, um, tragedy. That looking at it now, it's a little disturbing. It, but back then, it was a totally different um, world back then, really. Well, yeah, in 96. I mean, un- unfortunately, we live in a world now where there's a school shooting almost every week, which is very unfortunate, or a mass shooting. And this show is never going to be about politics, so we're never going to talk about that. But the point I'm trying to make is is that in 1996, albeit it was controversial, in, in the real world, you didn't see a whole lot of that. No. Um, which nowadays, if WWE were to ever pull a guy out and have a gun, it would be so distasteful, especially in the world that we live in with the amount of people that get killed. Yeah, it would never happen. It, 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 first of all, it's a PG show, but second of all, it would just be so distasteful. Um, but on to a different subject here. We have Sid, Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like he's uh, going to make his way to the ring for a uh, face-to-face sort of uh, speaking engagement with Jim Ross as the host. Him and his mullet, yeah. Yeah, Sid had some wild mullets back in the day. Uh, Sid, I I liked Sid when I was younger. I thought he had a a really cool look, and I liked the music. And he was, to me as a kid, he was, you know, I was 13 when this happened, but uh, 12 or 13, but this was uh, years prior to this. He was very scary looking to me. He just looked like in, very oh, intimidating. Yeah, he's huge. And back in the day, did they have the wellness policy that they have now? <laughs> they, <laughs> Can you take some drugs? They they, they did bigger? they did they do say they did have a drug testing policy. I mean, who knows? But uh, did do you believe that? Yeah, I I, I do to a certain degree. This little girl's cute. Yeah, dressed up as Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah. Look at that jean jacket, huh? Look at those earrings. They were probably longer one than I, I've ever worn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's his manager, Jose Lothario. At that time in 96, when Michaels won the WWF championship for the first time, they wanted to add something different to his character by getting the, the guy who trained him to become a wrestler in real life, Jose Lothario, mm-hmm. as his manager. And it was a short-term thing, uh, but it kind of added a more sensitive side to him that he was that he had his older trainer mm-hmm. elderly trainer in his corner because michaels was always known as this like rebel ladies man look at this it looks like they're gonna play atari or something <laughs> or pac-man this that's huge yeah that that like booth that podium there <laughs> this was interesting they didn't do a whole lot of this uh is this, this was, a contract signing i think it's some sort of like face-to-face kind of it was basically just another way of letting the two of them talk shit to each other to build up to their match. But uh, how how tall is that guy? Sid. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's like six nine, six ten maybe, and that was from a year prior when uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, 
Sid Vicious were once uh, uh, an item together. Mm -hmm. That was the night after WrestleMania 11. Sid cost Michaels the match against uh, Diesel, and Michaels told Sid that for the rematch, you could take the night off. I'm not going to need you. Sid was offended, and he powerbombed Michaels a few times, and that was when they turned Michaels into a good guy at that point. That was another good documentary we watched, the Shawn Michaels one. The one, yeah, on the DVD. The DVD. It's now on the network, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that was a very good one. It was interesting. It's not. I love watching documentaries about these people because it's it's their lives are not what you expect. Yeah, you'd be surprised what you know what's going on in their lives. You know, in and outside of the outside of the industry here. We just watched the Hardy Boys one. That one was very good. That very twenty the twenty four seven documentary. Yeah. It's interesting to see, and I don't know if you've seen pictures, but Shawn Michaels cut his hair recently. He's no longer no longer has long hair. Uh, he's he's been known for having long hair his entire career, and he's been losing some of it up top for quite a while. But he decided to really ditch the ponytail. So uh, I just watched something recently where he was on and he had short hair. But it's actually kind of interesting to see with the long hair now and that jean jacket by the way Mm -hmm. i saw that jean jacket on a wrestling collectibles page on instagram going for 150 dollars interesting yeah well it must have been sold like anybody could buy it back in the back oh those were yeah Yeah. they used to do commercials like in between the breaks and the matches with you know they used to shell all kinds of merchandise i remember they They sell his earrings too um, they, you know what they might have. I remember they sold like the the biker gloves, and they sold like the biker the hat he used to wear that looked like the, the one of the guys from the Village People, and then they had heart shaped red sunglasses that said Shawn Michaels on the on the lens, which was uh, kind of hokey and funny at the same time. But this is this right here is uh, building up towards their championship match at Survivor Series mm-hmm. in the in the the coming weeks. Both guys were good guys, and they were kind of aligned together at the time to fight off uh, Jim Cornette and his stable, who had Vader, the late Vader, who just passed recently, Mm -hmm. Owen Hart, and the British Bulldog. All three guys, unfortunately, uh, are no longer with us here. But Sid had won a number one contenders match from Vader, and this is where the two friends had started becoming uh, bitter enemies, so to speak. So it's just a lot of talking. Yeah. I so mean, back in the day, this would have lost me. Okay. I would have been like, all right, let's see what else is on right now. You're more action and I less talk. I am all about the action. Okay. Yeah. When something goes on too long um, like this, okay. it, I just lose interest because it's just a lot of crap talking. And Yeah. Well, oh. yeah. looks like we're going to get to some action, yeah, or at least yeah. we think we are. So Michael's just knocked down that cardboard dollar store podium that <laughs> <laughs> just landed all on top of it each just other. exploded he <laughs> one swipe and the whole thing went kaboom it was like a it's like furniture at ikea <laughs> right <laughs> yep so now it's just in your face talking and a lot of pushing it's building though i mean for someone you know like you, you did oh we got some commotion going on i wonder who's coming out right now uh, camp cornet there's Owen Hart, late Vader, Vader yeah. Davy Boy Smith, Jim Cornette, and the uh, the the guy next to Cornette is Jim Cornette's lawyer, Clarence Mason, mm-hmm. who in real life was actually a lawyer, which I found out recently. Was he always a lawyer, even back here? During this time period, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, he was practicing law while he played a lawyer on TV. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, now, because they're having issues with Cornette's group, now here's where the action is. But Finally. It's a three on two situation. Owen Hart from behind with a steel chair to to Psycho Sid, and there's Michaels fighting off, helping Sid. Now here's what I think might happen here. Because Owen hit Sid with the chair. Sid's going to turn around and think Michaels just did it. Yes. That's just a hunch of mine. I could be wrong, but we'll have to wait. Yeah. See? You see yeah. He sees the chair. And the close-up with the camera? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He just said, did you just hit me in the back of my head? Now, here's what I find 
interesting about this, and this is me kind of overthinking things because I have a tendency to do that. Okay? Sid just asked Michaels if Michaels... Hit him. Hit him. And Michaels denied it, you know, vehemently. Couldn't Michaels just say, hey, dude, let's go check the replay. You want to see if I, I hit you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that would be too illogical. Yeah, exactly. And now Sid's like, all right, come on. Let me get you some right now, boy. Mm-hmm. Referees, Pat Patterson. Look at that sweater. Yeah, see, that's... <laughs> look at that sweater on Pat Patterson. That was oh. definitely 90s right there. Oh, you yeah. some Back when I watched... It's got some paperwork falling out of the back pocket, too. It's probably the, it's probably the script. <laughs> yep. It's probably the script. And there seems to be the end of it and this looks like a oh I remember I had this CD oh boy I had this CD with the <laughs> did music did you dance like that too I did I used to be by myself and I used to do my own little entrances like Michaels or Bret Hart or I had the CD oh yeah I used to love it I thought the music was cool that was one of the big things I liked about wrestling was the music the entrance yeah some of the entrances with the music well in oh here we are back at oh that was earlier oh okay yeah um, when just... you went to WrestleMania one year, I think you did an entrance. Yes, I did. Yep. As Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I was, uh, at the time, I think I was 31, maybe. Yeah, I was 31 years old, and I was in line with a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only adult in the line. So. Well, you and Daryl, I believe. Didn't Daryl do one? I think Daryl did something. I think he might have, okay. but parents of those kids must have thought we were like sex offenders or something. <laughs> Just big kids. Yeah, just big kids with, you know, childlike imaginations. That's why we watch wrestling. I just want to know if this is really his house. Or it what. is. I've heard, I'm telling you, legit. Like, so he really broke his window and his house looked like that? Yeah, and Vince paid the bill for the broken window. Okay. They did a, they did a piece on this on the Bruce Pritchard podcast where he told some stories. that Actually, someone locally called the cops because they watched it on TV thinking that... Thinking uh, it was really happening. Thinking it was really happening. Oh, and, geez. like, Bruce Pritchard, who was producing the segment, had to, like, meet the cops out at the front door and be like, we're filming something. We told you guys we have yeah. a permit. There's Sable. Yep. With the wild man, Mark Marrow. Sable, once married to Mark Marrow, now the current wife of Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. couple of kids. I think they have a couple of kids. She might have had one from a previous marriage, not with... This gentleman here. How many times was she married? I be- I don't know if she was married to the first guy, but I heard that she had a kid with a guy previous to Marrow, mm-hmm. and then I don't think she had any kids with Mark Marrow, and then she might have had one with Brock, one or two. I'm not quite sure. I like those spinny fireworks. The sparklers. Yes, but they're yeah, they're bigger than sparklers. Yeah. Yeah, you can see like there's like a structure that like connects all of it together. Mm-hmm. The wild man. And, again, in the 90s and the 80s, well, the late 80s, I like the whole robe thing. The robes? Mm-hmm. The robes were cool, yeah. I dug the robes. It's one of the reasons why I like Bobby Roode now, but yes. Ric Flair. Yeah. All right, so this here, okay, in 96, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, who portrayed Razor so Ramon and Diesel, yes. They went to WCW and they started the whole NWO thing, which I covered on the previous pilot episode regarding the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view, mm-hmm. 96. WWF decided to do a spoof against them because they were in a lawsuit with WCW claiming WCW stole their characters. So they owned the rights and the name to Razor Ramon and Diesel. Mm-hmm. And they just picked two guys to play a new Razor Ramon and a new Diesel. <laughs> It's pretty similar. Okay. Now, once the light's back on, look closely. I was going to say, Razor looks really swollen in his face. All right. So I don't know who that guy is, but take a look at who Diesel is. Just take a look. Who who, who does he remind you of today? (laughs) Um, I have to look at his face again. You see Razor Ramon telling the the ring attendant something's going to happen to him if he doesn't... uh, take care of his gold and this was oh my God. this was Jim Ross's doing at the time they tried to turn Jim Ross into like a bad guy announcer and he was like upset with the establishment and mm-hmm. this was when they like first acknowledged that Vince McMahon was the owner oh. like on TV instead of being a commentator but alright so Diesel down there yes that's actually Kane 
I was gonna say Kane, but yeah, Kane played several characters in the WWE before he became Kane. Mm-hmm. He was the evil dentist of Jerry the King Lawler, Doctor Isaac Yankum, and so yeah, and he had like yellow, nasty, disgusting teeth. And um, who comes it, up with this shit? It was actually a joke that Bobby Heenan once said on TV, and then they used Bobby Heenan's joke to make the character a story I've heard. But uh, yeah, here you see this. They called him the fake razor and the fake diesel. And everyone knew that uh, these two were, were total phonies, but it was a spoof that WWF did at the time to prove a point to WCW that you can't take the characters that we created. Okay. But the funny thing is... Um, I heard a story from uh, from Kevin Nash, who mm-hmm. portrayed Diesel, and at the time in WCW, when Jim Ross announced that Diesel and Razor were going to return before everyone realized it was these fake characters, mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff and WCW's attorneys flew Hall and Nash out to the 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 offices in Atlanta and basically gave them raises to stay because at the time they only had short-term contracts. They had what they called deal memos, and deal memos were like letter of intents almost saying that you were going to sign a deal and it was going to be for this amount. And so uh, Hall and Nash got like a huge raise and then they signed their official contracts, and then it turned out that that same night that... Uh, it was really a, a fake Razor Ramon and a fake Diesel. And WCW executives were like, what? Like, they really thought Kevin and Scott were going to go back mm-hmm. to the WWF because they didn't have real contracts. They just had letters of intent. Right. So uh, they end up getting a raise out of it. <laughs> and that's how uh, that's how dumb the executives at WCW were at one point. But, uh, yeah, you could see, like you said, a swollen Razor Ramon here. Yeah. So nowadays, if, say, like the Usos left... Mm-hmm. Um, would they have to leave the name behind, or is that their name? No, they they. I think they would leave the name behind because their um, their last name is not Uso. Right, their last name that. is Fatu. Right. Um, and I think you know one of them's real name is uh, Jonathan. The other one's Jeremy, but and they go by Jimmy and Jay yeah. on, on WWE television. But. Uh, Nowadays, you see a lot of guys that have left WWE, and they keep variations of their name, and mm-hmm. WWE doesn't go after them, even though they own the name. Well, uh, like, the Hardys are the Hardys. Yeah, so that's So they're their, not leaving... Uh, yeah, that's their real name. And changing their names. Yeah. Or, no, those are their so real names. So what if um, people come up into WWE, do they get to keep their names from the indies? In some cases, yeah, they have been, like... Uh, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. What about that tag team, the Young Bucks? Do they say if they came over? Oh, they they'll would definitely want to. Wanna, they'll definitely want to keep their name. They've. I've. I've read interviews with them saying if they were to ever sign with them, that that they would. That would be a stipulation. That would be part. Yeah. Yeah. They make so much money on the independent scene and just outside of. So I wonder why some people are allowed to keep their names and some have to change them. I wonder why. That I guess is. it all depends on like the the popularity of the character. Yeah. Um, sometimes WWE doesn't keep too much track of uh, some of the names outside of the industry that may have used their names. Like, for instance, Shane, when he was the Hurricane, mm-hmm. okay, he left, you know, he was let go from WWE. And at the time, WWE was really big about, like, not letting guys use their character names that WWE created on the independent scene. Mm-hmm. And I remember Shane telling me a while ago that... Uh, he still did it anyways. He just referred to himself as uh, Shane the Hurricane Helms. Right. And he worded it a little differently. And he had gotten threats, I guess, from them at that point about, you know, we're going to, you know, seek legal action if you, can, you know, continue using this. And mm-hmm. um, I think he still used it. But, like, I see, like, advertisements of him in shows all the time. And they always refer to him as uh, Shane the Hurricane Helms. And as far as I know, he's never gotten any... Uh, gotten any gotten because any legal really, issues he's with changed them. it it's not just he changed it in some ways yeah yeah so he has changed it up but uh like mark marrow here um the wild man mm-hmm. uh, originally uh, vince mcmahon according to the bruce pritchard podcast wanted mark to come in as the the little richard johnny b bad character he was very flashy he wore makeup and lipstick and um had a similar outfit and uh but unfortunately, WCW owned 
that name, so they couldn't take it. So that's why they created the the Wild Man, and uh, didn't really pan out for him mm-hmm. in WWF under that character. And even when he returned later, and he became Marvelous Mark Maron, he did like a boxing character. Have you noticed that nowadays the NXT? I would say like seventy percent of the NXT guys that came up uh, to the main roster don't end up keeping their characters but yet the girls do well the the names they the names are the, names are the same, same and but like but Dallas came up as like uh this mr positivity yeah i know believe and that didn't fly and then um there's a couple others that they came up as certain characters, and they were immediately changed. And they were just portrayed differently. They weren't seen oh. as a big deal when they came up to the main roster, as opposed to when they were in NXT. The Is Mr. That... Gorgeous guy, um, Tyler Breeze. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's still doing like a, a part of his. With Fandango, you know, yeah. yeah. But I thought he was going to be good when he came up. Like they were going to use him a lot, and his character just—I feel like didn't stick yeah it just wasn't uh they i feel like a lot of times with those guys they don't put enough emphasis on them when they do come up or they don't have a real solid plan like for instance um the authors of pain Mm -hmm. uh, from nxt they were like wrecking machines on nxt they bring them up the night after wrestlemania they're maybe on for a couple weeks they then all of a sudden disappear for like a month and a half two months last week was the first time they were on tv in like such a long time, they decided finally they were going to do something with them. I, 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 right, I, and I think that that's sad because they work so damn hard down there. But it do, it's not the same with the girls. Like if you look at like Ember Moon, she's still going strong up there. Yep. Um, you look Charlotte. At, exactly. And Sasha. Charlotte has hasn't skipped a beat. Yeah. Sasha's the same. None of them. Bailey, like they're all the same. They they're the same characters. They do really well. They show them. Mm-hmm. A lot, but the guys, it's like I don't, I don't know what's going on. They're just used wrong. There's the father of NXT, mm-hmm. a young Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Triple H, with long hair. With long hair, that's right. The 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 Greenwich aristocrat, as they like to call him. Um, I think with the girls and and to to uh, kind of so young there. Oh yeah, <laughs> to kind of uh, counter not counter your point, but mm-hmm. to. But to, to touch upon is that because women's wrestling was so, here we got the one, two, three by the fake Razor Ramon over the wild man Mark Merrill with a little bit of help from Mr. Perfect and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Mm-hmm. There you see Kane. I mean, Diesel, excuse me, <laughs> big daddy, cool Diesel. But with the girls, uh, I feel like that uh, because they're trying to establish them in a more serious manner than they have in years past, that they're kind of really focusing more and emphasizing more on their characters and the talent that the girls have and they're not really throwing them to the wayside kind of like what they do with some of the males that come up and here we see footage from earlier tonight that gun again which was uh definitely a hot topic of discussion uh, in wrestling following these events there was a show that they used to do I thought was pretty cool. It was called Livewire. It used to be every Saturday morning on the USA Network. And they interviewed Vince on Livewire. They would do it from the studios in Stanford, and people could call in. And well, Here we are live. I think this is the point. Now. Yeah, where are we? I don't know who that guy is with that, that sweet mullet right there. That hair is horrendous. Look at this guy's hair, too, in the hat. Oh, oh yeah, man. that's not too bad. It's not as bad as the... The, the mullet. The squirrel that's on the back of that guy's head. Holy cow. And there's a... I don't know who thought that that was, like, hot. I, I just don't know. It was a thing, man. It was uh, a thing. I don't know. It's 90s were, were you know... Please don't ever bring the mullet back. That's fashion fashion <laughs> guinea pigs. Oh, no. Trust me. That's, oh. The 90s were... And there's Austin again. There he is. So he clearly wasn't shot, but... No. Um, and see, Pillman's got the gun right does here. Does he still have the gun? Okay. Yeah, he's still pointing it. I don't it. see it. I think they purposely kept it out of the shot, because at this point they realized... That it was stupid? That it was just... It was controversial. Yeah. And 
Yeah, it was definitely... The other thing is, is this, um, the commentator is still here. If I was the commentator and someone had a gun, I'd be like, peace! Well, wow. he's... Yeah, the whole time he's like, get this gun out of here, oh my goodness! And yeah. there we see the end of that episode of Monday Night Raw. Um... So at the time, that live wire show that they did, mm-hmm. they would they had Vince on on the line and uh, called in, and or he was I'm sorry he was a guest and they had people on the line calling in. And I remember this one woman, she was like, I let my kids watch and it's not a family program anymore. You got a guy wielding the gun, he's about to blow someone's head off and mm-hmm. this that and the other, and it was very uh, it was very uh, eye opening at the time. I remember watching it and I'm like. Holy cow. And I used to be afraid that, like, if something like that popped up on the TV, like, my parents, parents would see. Would, yeah. They would have been like, no more wrestling. Yeah, you. exactly. I remember for a while, too, because I watched so much of it that, like, when I would go to my Nana's house, like, my parents, like, put, like, a wrestling ban on, on me for, like, a few months when I would do the sleepovers at Nana's because. They didn't want you watching it at Nana's? Just, it was just too much. I watched it at home. I watched it at Nana's. I'd go to the video store. I spent, when I spent my weekends. That's why you're still obsessed with it. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So the wrestling ban didn't work clearly because I'm doing a podcast with you, my wife. But, uh, overall watching this, what did you think of this particular episode of Monday Night Raw and your thoughts on the, the as they as as wrestling fans would say pillman's got a gun episode um i think it was a, a little a little much but if i think back to when um back when i watched it when i was younger there was a lot of a lot of over the over the top things like um uh, someone's getting sexual in the ring on a bed do you remember that yes or, that was yeah. when edge won the wwe championship and he was going to perform yeah, I mean, a live sex celebration that, with lita that was just a little much um that happened so, on my birthday by the way it did it Interesting. yes fun fact yeah fun fact <laughs> um so things like that i remember um i stopped i stopped watching it when around the time to when they were using the blades on their forehead, that really bothered me. Uh-huh. I don't know. Um, you can see a lot of scars on a lot of people now from that. Yep. Um, so there was, a, I, I mean, that's just kind of who they were. And that's probably why back in the day, a lot of people didn't let it, I mean, I'm sorry. If your parents saw that, they would have not let you oh, watch yeah. that. Well, I've told you the stories before how when it got, when wrestling became less PG and more um, X, yeah, rated R, rated X. I remember Daryl told my father to suck it, yes. like DX did, and my father looked at me like I was the one that taught him that. I'm like, oh, no, dude, you let him watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Granted, I'm you know maybe my viewing habits influenced him and some you know my other brothers, but mm-hmm. uh, I was like, no, he told you to suck it. Like I didn't tell him to tell you to do that. So. Uh, I definitely don't think that the gun was necessary in this particular no. episode, but I, I don't put it past them because they did so much controversial things this was back the, in the day. This was the tip of the iceberg, and then, you know, in, in the year and a half, two years, um, when they really started getting hot again, when Steve Austin was a huge deal and mm-hmm. DX was something, like, it was a lot worse. I mean, you, you want to... still nowadays when Stone Cold comes... He still does the whole beer thing. So if it's still PG, everybody's like, oh, he's chugging beer. So I can, dad, I, yeah. you know, so there's still some things that uh, there's always going to be that parent out there that's going to say, um, no, this is not PG. This is not for everybody. And well, just the act and the performance in of itself, the choreographed violence, people think it's, you know, not appropriate for kids, you know, mm-hmm. because of the actual violence in and of itself or the, the, the portrayal of the violence. So uh, I think I think nowadays it's it's less violent and more sports like. Uh huh. I, I really feel it's just it's okay. a lot safer, I will say. Yes. Um, yeah. You don't see the guys doing uh, you see some guys doing a lot of crazy stuff, but the, the things are a lot more organized, more planned in terms of, uh, you know, some of the, the, the spots that they do. Like, for instance, uh, uh, the other night on Monday Night Raw, uh, from what I heard and I watched a 
brief video on it. Braun Strowman had Kevin Owens trapped in a porta potty and he duct taped the porta potty and then threw the porta potty off the stage. But the stage wasn't like 20 feet in the air like it used to be. It was probably like a three foot drop. But who knows if Kevin Owens was even in that in that porta potty at one point? I mean, it was stupid, but it, it's it's. But the stupid, funny stuff is is still entertainment. At times, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Um, as long as it's not a half an hour long. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Because then that's just drawn out and and um, yeah. Um, we saw what Titus Titus O'Neil throw up on. Uh, we went to that show. That's right. Yep. Thanksgiving, he threw up in JBL's cowboy hat. Yep. And <laughs> like he really threw up. Yeah. So. <laughs> or he or he, or he made himself throw up. I should say. Um. What else do they do? Uh, that's a little controversial. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's something we could discuss on another uh, No Filter Nikki Watch Along. Okay. That sounds good to me. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. I really, truly appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to many more of these with you and other people, too. I want to get people that are non-wrestling fans that I don't have, that I'll have to do a little more explaining with and get their reactions. Maybe my brother, my sister, our sister-in-law, Alyssa, who knows. But uh, mm-hmm. this has been a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you. You, you kicked ass tonight. Oh, thank you. So did you. All right. And uh, that'll do it for our pilot episode of kicking out it to the No Filter Theater with No Filter Nikki in watch-along form. I hope you all enjoyed. And uh, until next time, I'm Dave Rosenbluth. Take care.